welcome to Well Capitalized, a podcast about the Canadian credit union system. I'm your host, Josh Noble, and I'm joined today by Alexa Creelman, Manager Member Relations and Cooperative Social Responsibility at Central One. In her role, Alexa manages relationships with BC credit union executives and boards. Additionally, she acts as a strategic advisor on ESG strategy work for Central One. Thanks so much for being here today, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. To start off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What was your journey to your current role with Central One? Well, uh, despite early indications of a credit union career, uh, which began with my first gig, my very first gig as a poster child for credit union RESPs, I didn't outright plan it. Um, it was by some gravitational pull that my aspirations in international relations and sustainable development led me to cross paths with credit union leaders on the hillsides of rural Peru, of all places, uh, including one of your previous podcast guests recently. A great coincidence here. Now, I was working with an agricultural cooperative called Norandino and Credit Union, specifically with the parts of their membership that were most marginalized by society. And by that, I mean the rural, oftentimes as well, indigenous women tasked with adapting to environmental degradation in their region. In the other duties as assigned portion of my contracts, uh, which I found tended to be a tremendous trove of opportunity on various occasions, I hosted credit union leaders who contribute through CDF, the Cooperative Development Foundation, to certain Norandino projects. And it was, for me, an absolute privilege and joy to serve as the conduit of the Norandino story and the resilience and successes of whole communities that sprung from from members. So I hosted a few of those, and uh, years later, one of those credit union leaders reached out and thought of me as a good fit for this role at Central One. And now I don't get to shock quite as many people as an incognito Spanish translator, but the factors that brought my passion to life in Peru, the ESG, for example, still holds great power for businesses here too. And it's a constant that holds a lot of alignment with credit unions. So clearly the environmental and social governance, the impacts that business has on environmental and social outcomes has been important to you for a long time. Uh, tell me a little bit about ESG. Uh, what, what, what is ESG? Why does it matter? Sure. Uh, this type of baseline question is quite important because there are many related terms that are thrown about in this context. Philanthropy, corporate citizenship, values-driven business, uh, sustainability, CSR, social purpose. So there's quite a few out there. What I like about ESG is that it stands for environmental social governance factors. And these truly are the building blocks to making an impact by design. And not as a side dish apart from business, it is a part of business. So it's important in ESG integrating these factors throughout the organization uh, as measurements of business value and success 
as well as lenses of consideration in strategic decision-making. And this approach, what I find it does is it distills the key objective factors that are driving the other approaches we just referenced. Without the ambiguity of what sometimes might be subjective value sets or morals or responsibility. So that's what ESG is in, in my definition, there's many ways to define it, but why is it important? There, there are so many ways to frame this, uh, that it's good business is good for business. We can look at 2008, the financial crisis, and we see this is a bit of a case study for ESG in that 90% of the bankruptcies in the S&P 500 were companies with poor ESG performance. And conversely, companies with good ESG that had that stakeholder-driven business model were 64% more resilient through the crisis. And they attributed that back to the approach really building trust fostering an environment for increased innovation and agility to shifting stakeholder needs. Now we arrive in 2020 and it's affirming the above with even further data through all that this year has thrown at us. So we see that the ESG data from 2020 provides a strong signal of corporate resilience through a crisis and it's linked to financial returns. There's so even as specific as 94% of sustainable investment products outperforming the industry's bank benchmark through 2019. So we see a strong and growing evidence of that positive link between financial returns and organizational resilience with corporate strategies that focus on societal needs. So I think you touched on the two broad reasons for an ESG strategy. First, that there's a good in and of itself of an ESG, that corporations, individuals, institutions have a responsibility to society, to the future. And the second, that having ESG is actually good for business. Do you think that it is more one than the other? As in, if, if someone can convincingly make the argument that an ESG is not good for business, in a particular situation that uh, we can still make an argument that there is a corporal, corporate institutional or um, what do you call it, an ethical or a moral argument that ESG still ought to be done? Or do you think that we start to stand on more shaky ground when we start to uh, make the claim that regardless of whether it's good for business or not, it's still something we should do? Good follow-up. I think that there are strong cases for both approaches, and it's really two approaches to the same outcome. And depending on the uh, individuals you might be talking to, they can both serve as supportive arguments for your for a case of integrating ESG into the organization. I saw just earlier today on on a meeting a webinar someone had pointed out, we keep asking about the business case for, in this point that was diversity, equity, and inclusion, which falls under ESG as a broader umbrella. 
we keep asking to make the case for DEI, and there is, there are data points around that support uh, better financial returns for a more inclusive organization. But no one's asking to build a business case for our current structure, the current status quo. And if we did, we might inadvertently end up looking at some of those ESG factors and seeing some risks for sustainability long-term. But we often don't, uh, don't take that approach to what seems to be working okay right now until it might be quite late in the game <laughs> later on to start integrating these things. Sure, there's a degree of anchoring bias where we have a status quo and so we don't feel the need to justify that, whereas an alternative we look to justify uh, and, and are in turn not critical about the elements of the status quo. That's, that's a, a fair point. So you and I work together on Canada's Emerging Cooperators. You're an emerging leader who uh, is making a big impact. Do you see ESG as having generational overtones? Uh, the short answer, I would say, is no. Although... I can understand why folks may think there are. There's plenty of research illustrating how millennials, uh, who for the purposes of highlighting what that age group is, in my mind I'm thinking 25-ish to 38 or 39-ish years old right now in 2020. And so millennials and Gen Z, they are prioritizing purchasing from and working for companies with good ESG. But there is also existing research that shows that ESG is similarly important for older generations for in terms of job satisfaction and employee retention. And I would also say that ESG, or however you want to call it, is not a new thing. And millennials and Gen Z have the benefit of referring to established best practices in ESG. And these are standards that were advocated for and put in place by, in many cases, all the generations that came before us. Sometimes we see competing or alternative values and worldviews in any institution. That's sort of the nature of individuals working together. Sometimes those differences are that one group of people or one individual wants one path and another wants a different path. Uh, some it's one group of people want one end and another one a different end. I think that some of the generational tensions uh, could be explained, not entirely, but some of them could be explained by by a dialogue or a uh, argument over what the right path to get to the end is. It's not always that people want different ends, but they think that there's the best, different best ways to get there. I, I can see some people being nervous about ESG because it becomes the, uh, the place for larger questions about worldviews and values. And it becomes really scary if your worldview or values um, are, uh, don't win out. Uh, and uh, I wonder how do we ensure that we're able to have conversations about really important issues, but in ways that uh, still navigate the reality that we have competing and alternative values and worldviews within, within institutions? Mm, excellent question. And uh, I, I call back perhaps to 
approach defining ESG and in how it distills a lot of what might be seen otherwise as value sets or worldviews down to some key objective factors. And in many senses, I hope, kind of avoids a bit of that potential conflict in, in that view that it might be a matter of exerting a subjective value set that might not be shared by all, but instead taking that objective ESG lens to existing business activities, which is another point of this massive value that is existing in current business activities in many ways, but not measured and not valued perhaps as it could be. And if we take that ESG lens, we can take that opportunity much further. So I think that opportunity-driven mindset might help approach that conversation as well. Although there are so many ways to uh, further this work, and in some cases, I was chatting with a credit union recently who has taken uh, very strong values-oriented language in their approach, and it works for them. And part, perhaps that comes from a pre-existing culture set that the credit union itself has attracted. But there are many ways to approach this and make it successful. I think it's a matter of adapting to your circumstance and what works for you, but you can always, your organization can always come back to these data points, which can help further that conversation if you're finding um, if you're finding conflict or you're finding barriers to moving the work for, forward. So where do you see credit unions winning and losing on ESG? It's a great and very exciting question because I feel that credit unions, they begin this work with a head start. Uh, in our governance model, as member-owned cooperatives is naturally more attuned to stakeholder needs and naturally has very strong ESG alignment. What I will say is, is that in 2019, it looked a bit that we may have erosion of that head start. And by that, I mean that the Business Roundtable is a, a group of corporations that got together and redefined the purpose of corporation. And that's new definition involves creating shared value for all stakeholders, including people and the planet. And in this way, they are taking a systems perspective of business within society and within the planet and seeing, acknowledging that we're running up against some of some limits within those systems in the way we do business. And we see uh, those limits being reached, culminating in various crises. So the redefining of a purpose of a corporation to integrate these ESG factors is positive tremendously because it means that we're moving towards a more sustainable economy as a whole. But it's also a bit of a, a red flag. It represents a threat to what has traditionally been a credit union differentiator. That happened in 2019. In 2020, we've had a, a slew of events to choose from that really have put a test to this new corporate purpose. And there's brand new research 
that uh, did just that against the backdrop of all of these corporate commitments on purpose and seeing the state of global crisis, they've conducted a stress test of corporate purpose and provided uh, both a COVID-19 score and an inequality score for the organizations that signed on as part of the business roundtable, as well as other organizations beyond that. And they found that not all of those business roundtable organizations that have newly defined purpose, not all of them are, in fact, delivering on it when it matters. Instead, they found that long-established good ESG businesses are doing well, are outperforming, they're more resilient. And frankly, I would put us, I would put credit unions in that category. Although there's many ways we can, of course, do better more deliberately. Uh, but here's a quote directly from the research. What matters more is whether a company has a strong track record of proactively managing issues that may become material during a crisis and whether a company is an early responder on relevant issues during that crisis. What we see here in this context is an opportunity for credit unions to take that ESG lens as a strategic differentiator and take that lens to our existing business to reveal new opportunities and mitigate risks that we now see are very real and where we previously may have classified them as emerging. And we see some excellent work, excellent collaborative groups coming together, such as the Community Impact Committee that CCOA runs, that furthers this work together as a group and truly helps each other out. Or the Climate Change Working Group, the Climate Change Disclosure Working Group, again, run by CCOA, and their very inclusive approach of taking all credit unions along that conversation, including those who may see, as we noted in one of our previous questions, who may see a competing value set that they might not be fully on board with or that all their members may not fully be on board with, and working to understand how what that, what that can look like as a future disclosure for the system. So there are so many ways that credit unions are coming together and also doing that work individually. I just want to encourage everybody that this is a great opportunity. It's a great risk mitigator for some very real issues that we've seen play out in 2020 has been the most affirming case for why ESG is important. Well, Alexa, I really appreciate your, your time and uh, all the work that you're doing with Central One. I look forward to crossing paths again soon. Well, thank you so much for having me, Josh.